0: Good morning, everyone. Hey, come on now. After a song like that, we can't have a little more energy in this room. Good morning, everybody. There we go. Let's let the joy of Christmas fill our hearts today as we open up God's Word. I I am so glad to have the opportunity this morning to share with you. We're going to continue in our Christmas series this morning because it is the second Sunday of Advent for this year. And today we're going to focus on the peace of Christmas. The peace of Christmas. Not P-I-E-C-E, like a small piece of Christmas. The the P-E-A-C-E of Christmas. The peace that we get to feel this time of year. Just a moment ago, Alex and Andrea shared Isaiah 9-6 with us. It reads this. Let me let you hear it again. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, mighty god everlasting father and what's the last title prince of peace prince of peace peace is something that is often elusive to us this time of year is it not it's often elusive i want to ask a few questions this morning as we get started are the christmas holidays the most peaceful time of year for you Is it a time when you finally get to experience some peace in your life? Is that, is that Christmas for you? This time of year we sing sleep in heavenly peace. We're going to sing that here in just a little bit. But is that true? Peace on earth, the angel said to the shepherds. Is that true for you? Do you have peace on earth? Many of us don't get to sleep in heavenly peace. Many of us don't feel the peace on earth Our heavenly peace is replaced with earthly stress a lot of times this time of year The pressure to have the right gift that you paid the right price for Right The pressure of having the perfect family get together When let's just be honest most of our families All of our families are less than perfect Right All of our families are less than perfect, and yet we're trying to have the perfect family get together. We have the pressure of decorating just right, of cooking or baking and following the recipe perfectly, traveling, and there's no traffic, right? We pray for those things. But there's pressure to be happy and joyful this time of year for most of us. What if you've lost a loved one? What if this is the time of year that reminds you of that loved one and you don't feel peace in your heart? What if you feel a little depressed and down? You miss that person this time of year the most and you ask yourself, what's wrong with me? I'm supposed to be joyful and merry and peaceful, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm supposed to feel peaceful, but I don't. Well, today, we're going to continue in John chapter 1, where I hope to show you that there is a way to find peace today, right now. During this time of year, there's a way for us to find peace. So turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 6 through 9. And before we read that, let me pray for us, that God might open the eyes of our heart to see what He has to say to us today. Let's pray together. God, you teach us through your holy word. And I pray today that by your grace, God, you will open our minds and cleanse our hearts so that in reading, hearing, and meditating on your words, we may rightly understand and embrace the truth that we find there. May the reading of your word be effective in our hearts today, God. And Holy Spirit, help us to not just hear the word, but help us to keep the word and to live according to it so that we may obtain lasting and everlasting salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you're able, let's stand together and read these few verses out of John chapter 1. Beginning in verse 6, it says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light ...that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Well, today in this passage, there are three things in these few short verses... ...that I want us to see about the peace of Christmas. And I pray that by the end of the sermon today... That we can move toward this time of year being a time of peace for us regardless of what may be going on around us So the first thing that we see in this passage is that the peace of christmas moves with purpose The peace of christmas moves with purpose if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write that down The peace of christmas moves with purpose So these first 18 verses of John chapter 1 are what are typically referred to as the prologue to John's gospel It's the beginning of the book kind of like an introduction uh, that John writes and in these 18 verses It's sort of this poetic passage that relates the Christmas story to us in a very different way From how we read in Matthew and in Luke But it's still the Christmas story But these verses today, verses six through nine, they really serve as sort of this aside to the poetic telling of the Christmas story. It's almost like John was in the middle of telling this poetic rendition of the story of Jesus' birth, and he suddenly remembered an outside fact that we needed to know. It's almost like John was reading, and, and he said, oh, by the way, you need to know this. And so we're introduced ...to this recurring theme that we find throughout the book of John, the Gospel of John, and it's the idea of witness. John the Apostle wants to show us witness, and so we're introduced to a man named John the Baptist. Now, I want to make sure that we keep these two men separate, all right? So there's John the Apostle, that's the author of the Gospel of John, and then there's John the Baptist, who was Jesus's earthly cousin... Uh, But he's a different man. So we have two Johns. And I know it can be a little confusing. But did you know, did you realize that John the Apostle, the one who wrote this gospel, he never refers to himself by name in the gospel. Never refers to himself by name. Actually, the way he usually refers to himself is the Apostle whom Jesus loved. Which, if we're just being honest, it's a little arrogant, right? (laughs) I mean, he was the Apostle whom Jesus loved. and, And he also takes the liberty to say, oh, and by the way, I beat Peter to the tomb that morning, too. So he, he, he adds these things in here that we learn about, about John the Apostle. But he really paints himself in a favorable light, does he not? As the one whom Jesus loved. But John the Baptist is introduced to us in, here in these verses as the witness to who Jesus is and to his true purpose. And in fact, the Gospel writer emphasizes more so John the Baptist's function then he does his identity. It's not so much about who John is as the Baptist, it's about what he does as John the Baptist. So he focuses on why John came and who sent him. John the Baptist is sent onto the scene. In contrast to the Word of God that we read about in verse one that, that Derek shared with us about last week, John or the Word of God was there in the beginning in verse one. He didn't have to be sent, he was there. But John the Baptist comes onto the stage. He is sent into the scene. John the Baptist is known as the last of the Old Covenant prophets. The last of the Old Covenant prophets. He's the last one in a long line of those who were sent by God as messengers to the Word. Think of people like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Micah and Malachi, just to name a few. These people that wrote letters that we read in the old testament they were old testament prophets old covenant prophets and john the baptist is the last one of that kind of messenger that god sends so john the baptist comes with a purpose and his purpose is to tell the world of the peace that comes from god in the form of jesus to tell the world of the peace that comes in jesus John is not mentioned here as an end in himself John the John the Apostle is not saying you guys need to you need to revere John the Baptist No, what he's saying is He was sent from God with a purpose to share that peace is coming Peace is on its way. He's the messenger And to be honest, this is probably a different view than most of us usually have of peace We often think of peace as calm and mild and quiet and soft, right? When we think of peace, we think of, you know, a song like Silent Night, where we sleep in heavenly peace, and it's calm and quiet. But what we see here is that God had an active plan to powerfully bring peace to us. This is a peace that moves with purpose, It's not just passively sitting waiting on us to find it. No This is peace that comes to us peace that seeks us out It's a peace That we are crying out for from our souls It's a peace that we sing about this time of year and as we mentioned earlier Peace is something that seems so elusive this time of year for most of us But it's nothing new Christians for centuries have been seeking peace from the very beginning I've mentioned this guy to you before. St. Augustine was a believer and a theologian in the late 3rd and early 4th centuries, so the late 400s, early 500s. And he wrote this. See if you can identify with what he says here. O Lord my God, light of the blind and strength of the weak, also light to those who see and strength to the strong, hear my soul. Hear it crying out from the depths. Woe is me. Lord, help us to turn and seek you. For we know you're here in our hearts when we confess to you and when we cast ourselves upon you and weep in your bosom. After all our rugged way, and then you gently wipe away our tears, and we weep all the more for joy, because you, Lord, not man of flesh and blood, but you, Lord, who made us, you remake us, and you comfort us. Can you feel what St. Augustine is feeling? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you've thought, I don't know what to do here. I don't have peace. God, you've got to help me. I don't know what to do. That's well, the same thing that St. Augustine was calling out to here, and what is his answer for it? Jesus. <laughs> Give me Jesus so that I might have peace peace so that i might have you gently wipe away my tears and may i turn from tears of sorrow to tears of joy for thanks of what god has done in my life so the peace of christmas moves with purpose to give us relief that we so desperately seek but it does more than just give us relief the second thing we see in these verses is that the peace of christmas opens our eyes The peace of Christmas opens our eyes. Look again at what it says in verses 7 and 8. He, John the Baptist, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So, John the Baptist is sent as a witness, and what does a good witness do? A good witness does not attract attention to himself. He brings attention to the person or the fact which he represents. And the verb that we see translated as witness here is a key word for John the Apostle, the author. It appears more than 33 times throughout his gospel. It's sort of like a, a key word for John. John the Baptist comes with a message of peace and fulfillment of passages that speak of the Messiah bringing the light to dispel the darkness of sin. And the light to which John the Baptist testifies is the hope of Israel. We sang about it just a moment ago. Israel's strength and consolation is that God is coming. The Messiah is coming. And we can now look back and say he came so we can have peace. John the Baptist testifies to a promised peace of God for his people and the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies about the Savior. So John the Baptist testifies to the light, I, I wonder, how many people have ever told you about light? Probably not many, right? Unless you were in a science class where you were talking about light. Think of it this way. Imagine that you're giving someone a tour of your home, right? So you're walking through the rooms, flipping the light switch and saying, hey, this is uh, one of the bedrooms, this is the living room— How many times do you think that after flipping a light switch you'd have to turn around and say Oh, by the way, you probably didn't notice but there's light in this room now Probably didn't have to do that, right? Because when the light comes on we see it They could see the light just like anyone else could see the light So why do you think that john the baptist needs to tell people about the light? I think that theologian aw pink gives us an answer to this question when he writes this When the sun is shining in all of its beauty, who are the ones that are unconscious of that fact? Who needs to be told that the sun is shining? The blind. How tragic then when we read that God sent John to bear witness about the light. How pathetic that there should be any need for this. How solemn the statement that men have to be told that the light is now in their midst. What a revelation of man's fallen condition What aw pink is alluding to is that jesus comes as the light of the world bringing peace to those who will believe But the world was blind and could not see the light in their midst The creator of the world was in the world, but the world did not recognize him We'll learn about that more in the weeks to come but in our fallen state as sinners apart from the grace of god We have to be told about the light In our spiritual blindness We have to have the blinders removed So that we can become aware of the peace That is offered to us in Jesus We have to have our eyes opened And what is the goal of John the Baptist? It says there in verse 7 That all might believe through him Not in him but in the one who is bringing peace. John the Apostle and John the Baptist both want to make sure that everyone's eyes are open to the fact that Jesus is the one who brings peace into the world. John the Baptist serves as an incredible example for us as followers of Christ. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. And this is an important verse for us as followers of Christ today because there is often a temptation That we can have to try to assume a status of being more than a witness Or that we are more important than we think we are That we pretend to speak with the authority of the light But when our eyes are open to the peace that jesus brings Then we realize that we just like john the baptist just like john the apostle are but humble Witnesses to the true light of jesus christ That is our role as followers of christ as humble witnesses witnesses and that brings us to the third thing that we see in this passage the third thing here is that the peace of christmas can only be found in jesus the peace of christmas can only be found in jesus verse 9 says the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world And this verse strikes a stark contrast between the one who brings peace and the one who testifies to peace. John the Baptist was a man. Jesus is God. John the Baptist was a witness. Jesus is the Word with a capital W. John the Baptist was a servant, and Jesus is the Son. Jesus is the only place where we find true peace. He's the only source of reconciliation and restoration for us as fallen sinners. There's a Greek word here um, in in verse 9 where it says the true light. The Greek word that's often translated true is alethanon. Alethanon. And typically translated true, but the original meaning of that word puts a lot more emphasis on completeness and authenticity. So it underscores how Jesus is the only true source of true, complete, authoritative peace for us. You remember earlier, we we talked about how so often this time of year can seem unpeaceful or chaotic to some extent. And I think the main reason why that is is true is because we place so much hope in an external, temporary peace. We place so much hope emphasis on that. We want things to be calm. We want everything to go right. We want everything to be smooth. Right? Well, that calm and that quiet that we so desperately seek is not ever going to be found outside of Jesus. (laughs) The difference that we see here is the peace of Christmas that Jesus offers is an eternal peace rather than a merely external temporary peace. And this is the most important type of peace that we could possibly find because eternal peace is peace with God. When we know Jesus, we can experience eternal peace because of what he started in the manger and finished at the cross. Luke reminds us in Acts 10, 36, it says this, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, it's talking about Jesus, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is the Lord of all. Our first and our greatest need for peace is to be at peace with God. Our sin separates us from God. And from the time that sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden, humans have been at odds with God. Our sin and His holiness are not compatible with each other. They are not at peace. In fact, they're at conflict with each other, our sin and God's holiness. This is the reason that God sent Jesus to the earth in the first place. This is the reason for Christmas, so that the hostility and the incompatibility between our sin and God's holiness could be removed by the sacrifice of Jesus at the cross. If that doesn't get you into the Christmas spirit, I don't know what will. We had an immovable blockade in front of us And god came and busted through it so that we might be able to be with him That is something to celebrate He brought peace to us We didn't have to go find it So when we trust in jesus as the lord of our lives Then we are at peace with god now To be honest and to be frank, even though my name is jason Peace with God does not mean that all of our difficulty is removed from our lives. That is not what that means. But when we have peace with God, and when we let that be the beginning point for us to look at the rest of life, then it becomes easier to find external peace that we so often are looking for. When we believe that true peace Is for all of our plans to go perfectly And for everyone to be happy At every family event And every gift to be the best thing The other person has ever received I hate to break it to you But we're always going to be disappointed We're always going to be discouraged When it comes to finding peace Because peace Is not found in A Christmas sale Although I like a Christmas sale just like the next guy Peace is not found in the smoothest family event. Peace is not found in peace and quiet. Peace that we are searching for is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. So, how do we respond this morning? What, what, do we do, what do we do about situations that we can't change? What do we do about relationships that are broken that we face in our lives? What do we do about the chaos that we can't seem to calm down? What do we do about the hurt that we can't heal? What do we do about the chaos that we can't seem to find peace in? What do we do with our need for peace in the world? Well, this is where we need to recognize the two natures of Christmas. Christmas celebrates the first advent when Jesus was born. That's why we have an advent wreath, and we light advent candles, and we have advent readings. We're celebrating that Jesus came. But the first advent points us to the second advent, when Jesus will come again. The same angels who announced the birth of Christ appeared again after his resurrection and ascension, promising that one day Jesus would return. So the peace that we long for in our world is a peace that is still coming. The external peace that we wish for, we spent two years talking about it in Revelation, have we not? That the peace that we're looking for is not going to come until the end when Jesus comes and brings it. But there is an eternal peace that we can find Today, there is an eternal peace that we can know now. So, in the time between Jesus' first advent and Jesus' second advent, where we are right now, we trust in Jesus' promise that he indeed has overcome the world. So, our team is going to be making their way up here and we're going to respond to this, but I want to remind you of this. This Christmas, remember that Jesus comes to you. Just as he came to a stable in bethlehem 2000 years ago And we can put aside the other things because let, Let's be honest. Let's be honest with each other. This is a safe place. Okay, let's be honest You're never going to get everything done There's always going to be something else to do There will always be another sale on that gift that you thought you got at the lowest price There will always be a more elaborately decorated house. There just will. But that's okay. Jesus is here. He actively offers peace to us at Christmas. And we can go, and we can sit at his feet, and that's where we find the good part. That's where we find peace on earth, is at the feet of Jesus. We listen to his word, we thank him for his love for us, and then we are finally able to sleep in heavenly peace. When we focus on Jesus as the source of our peace and not something that we might manufacture on our own, we realize that true peace only comes from Christ. So today, let's respond. Let's thank Jesus for the peace that he gives us. I'm gonna pray for us and then let's stand together and let's thank Jesus for the peace that comes. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that you actively offer peace to us. Thank you that we can know that peace. You don't hide it from us. You offer it freely to us. And God, I pray that over the next couple of weeks as we celebrate Christmas, Lord, let us find peace with you. And let that peace with you infiltrate everything else that we experience. That we would put our trust in you and in you alone rather than in things that we can do. Help us to trust in you and find the peace that we so desperately want. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together. If God's moving in your heart or working, I'd love to talk with you about that, walk with you through it. Derek's here as well. Um, but use this time to thank Jesus for the peace that he offers to us, and let's worship together.